Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Links and Locks podcast, the DFS version. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He's Lynn Hochberg from Roto-Wire, and we're going to take you through the Arnold Palmer Invitational from a DFS perspective, going through our favorite plays and our least favorite plays this week at Bay Hill. One of my favorites is about 10 minutes down the road from my house. I'll be out there all week, Lynn, before we move forward. Let's rewind just a little bit. The Honda Classic this past week, and we can be forgiven, I think, collectively, all of us, for not necessarily hitting on the Honda. I had a couple of lineups out there with Sepp Straka randomly thrown in just because his price worked out, but I'm taking no credit for that because I foresaw none of that beforehand. The tournament had so many twists and turns, and it was really a DFS lesson for me that the scores are so low and there are so few birdies in relation to a lot of the tournaments we see, although this should be another tight contest this week. Maybe you don't need six for six, but maybe not to cash. In fact, I had four guys get through on one game and I cashed not much. So it was a kind of an interesting development just from the standpoint of Berger losing it. And then Lowry not hanging on. It was wild stuff at the finish. It was really riveting golf. Yeah. Someday we're going to figure out that a five shot lead going into the final round means absolutely nothing. I think a lot of people were celebrating already and trying to cash their tickets on Saturday night with Daniel Berger holding a big lead. And that melted away very quickly on Sunday. And you're right. It comes down to game theory and DFS because we talk about things in sort of general terms where, hey, we like this player. We don't necessarily like this player. This guy's overvalued. This guy's undervalued. Whereas... A lot of times for DFS, I mean, if we really want to get into this, one player could make for a good GPP play in the bigger tournaments where you're trying to differentiate a little bit from the masses. Another guy is a good cash game play. Okay, he's nice, safe play. Maybe the ceiling isn't as high, but the floor isn't that low either. And so maybe as we move forward a little bit, we start talking about these players in terms of those two differences. But there's certainly a differential to... Those types of plays where if you're going to win a GPP, if you're going to win a big, you know, what, $50,000 or $100,000 or whatever it might be on DraftKings, you probably need six of six and you probably need six guys 
who are hovering around that leaderboard. If you want to win a cash game, you want to win a 50-50, you want to win, hey, it's me against two of my buddies and I'm trying to beat them. There are times, yeah, certainly you can go four for six, five for six and get through and win that cash. Yeah. And that sort of goes to lineup construction. There's only 120 this week. So more than half the field, potentially a lot more than half the field will make the cut. And that means a lot of 6,000s will get there. You look at them individually and you look at most of them and you go, no, 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 no. But on Friday night, there's going to be a lot of yes, 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 yes. So that's where you're going to get your separation because there's going to be a lot of play on for instance, Rom or Rory or whatever, Hovland, mm-hmm. Zalatoris, but that'll be a lot more spread out. That's where you can really make the difference in some games. All right. You mentioned some of those names. Let's get to it. This board at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And yeah, no surprise, top of the board, the number one ranked player in the world, John Rom, who has never played this event in the past. So there is a great unknown on Rom who hasn't really played a lot of his great golf in the state of Florida either. So quite frankly, you might be taking a little bit of a risk and maybe it's a little bit of a contrarian play. We never say that. Usually it's chalk at the top of the board, but at 11,400, maybe there's not a whole lot of John Rom this week and maybe you can differentiate by indeed taking the guy at the top of the board. Second on the board, Rory McIlroy has a stellar record. Six finishes of 11th or better in seven starts at this event, including a win four years ago. Victor Hovland, Three starts here, nothing better than 40th place. He's 10,800. Scotty Scheffler coming off a win, another title contention in his last two starts. He's at 10-6. And rounding out the five-figure guys, Hideki Matsuyama plays and practices right down the road at the Golden Bear Club at Keens Point, about 10 minutes away from Bay Hill. He is 10,000. 300. Len, what do you like? What do you not like out of this top group right here? I was very surprised to see that Rom had not played this course before. He seems to be one who was very deferential to the people who came before him, like DeChambeau and McElroy, and they have always spoken so glowingly of Arnold Palmer. Well, for Rom and even for DeChambeau, they weren't around really when Palmer was still alive. This is going to be like the sixth Arnold Palmer without Arnold Palmer. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a little why Rom has not been here. He's been great tee to green. His putting has been an issue. And I think putting is going to matter this week. These are huge greens. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But my thinking is that the bigger the greens, you identify the better putters. The smaller greens, sort of like less can go wrong. And the better ball strikers who can get on those smaller greens and then, okay, they'll have putts. But if you've got to hit some long putts to get it close and two putt or maybe hit a long one here and there, it identifies the better putters. And right now, Rom is not one of the better putters. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. And I hadn't thought about it in those terms too much, Len. I've always looked at it as, hey, there's bigger greens, which means there's going to be more two putts from players. And so I go back and look at what we've seen in the past. In fact, last year, You look at putting just from the guys who are on the leaderboard. I'm pulling it up here now. Let's see, the top nine on the leaderboard last year, their putting rank, strokes gain putting for the week, 21st, 37th, 13th, 22nd, 5th, 18th, 4th, 41st, 58th. So I feel like putting this week at Bay Hill is neutralized a lot more so than it is on other weeks. A lot of other weeks we say, well, so-and-so, yeah, sure, you hit it well, tee the green, but boy, he got hot with the flat stick and that's why he won this golf tournament. Whereas this one is more about, hey, if you play really well tee to green, which are the stats that we think have some stability and the stats that we look at on a more regular basis, 
everyone's going to make a few putts. Everyone's going to miss a few putts. I think the differential is narrowed a little bit. And that's why we look at guys like a Bryson DeChambeau who won last year, like a Keegan Bradley who's played well here year after year. And I do think that it might not count as much. It might not mean as much to be a good putter this week, but it's a fascinating theory that you have too. I can see it both ways. McElroy has been putting pretty well. McElroy quietly number five in the world. You know, he won that tournament in the fall was the CJ cup and he was 15th, not too long ago, around 15th in the world. And he's quietly moved up. He's playing pretty well. And like you said, he always plays well at this tournament. I mean, his worst is 27th and that was only one. So I do like him over Rom this week. And Victor Hovland, I looked at that. I was surprised the guy's so good. T to green has not finished in the top 40 ever. I expect more from him and he's putting a lot better now. His putting is vastly improved, at least in the small sample size of this season. So I have higher hopes for him and Scheffler is maybe the best of the top 10 players right now. This is not a weakness in his game. And because Sung JM was so good to me last week, I do like <laughs> him rewarding him by going back to him and sort of recommending him at 9,900. He's just outside of 10,000. He's 99. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, close enough there, though. I really like Rory this week. I started to write him up in my preview and said, hey, Rory has a high ceiling. We all know that but he's got a lower floor than most of these top players as well. And then I started looking, well, he's never had a low floor here. Like you mentioned, six out of seven have been 11th or better. A 27th is his loan outside that top 11. So there isn't a low floor for him at Bay Hill. And then you look at what he's done over the last, let's see, five global starts since that win at the CJ cup followed up with, okay, 18th of the hero wasn't great. That's a 20 man field, but 12th in Abu Dhabi this year, third at the Dubai Desert Classic. He probably should have won that one. And then 10th at the Genesis. And that's why he's moved up from the mid-teens into fifth on the official world golf ranking. And so he doesn't quite have that lower floor that we've seen recently. Can he go out and play some mediocre golf and not be anywhere close to the leaderboard this week? Sure. But quite frankly, Rory's my free bingo square. If you're playing DFS this week, if all the prices are the same, I'll take Rory over Rom. This week, I just like the history. I like the fact that he is playing well. I still think that Rob's not quite there. It's going to get there. He's still the best player in the world, but I don't like where he is with his game right now. I think he's still going to start trending in the right direction a little bit more. Hovland and Scheffler, I sort of put in the same league, which is, look, they're really good golfers. They're top 10 players in the world on any given week. They can have a really good week. They're really good long iron players, which for both of those guys, that's going to help a lot this week. They're good drivers of the golf ball. Can they win? Certainly. I don't love them this week at their prices, but I'll probably jam them into a couple of lineups, have a small investment on each. And then at the bottom of that five-figure tier, I'll look at Hideki Matsuyama. And like I said, lives, practices, plays nearby. And I do think that'll help him just kind of understanding the conditions, knowing them a little bit, doesn't have a great record. Six starts, no missed cuts, but only one finish inside the top 15 at Bay Hill. I do think that Hideki will have a nice week, though. He's been playing some really good golf. All right, dip down to the 9,000s. And yeah, he jumped ahead a little bit. Sung JM, your guy from last week at 9,900. Hey, look, there's something to be said for taking a player who burned you the week before. I've said this forever. If you like a guy, don't stop liking that guy just because he missed the cut one week. Uh, Stick with him. There's a reason you liked him in the first place. So he's got a great record. He's got two third place finishes and three career starts at Bay Hill. 
Will Zalatoris right behind him at 9,400. There's a little gap there that I'm guessing was originally reserved for Bryson DeChambeau before he <laughs> withdrew. Tyrrell Hatton, 9,300. Matt Fitzpatrick, 9,200. Mark Leishman, 9,100. And Adam Scott, he's exactly at 9,000 there. Who do you like? From that group there, Len. I don't want to say this too loud because I don't want anyone to find out about Matt Fitzpatrick in this tournament mm. here. Just want to keep it under the radar just between you and me. No, uh, I do like Zalatoris and I do like Matt Fitzpatrick at the top of the names you mentioned there. Zalatoris, he might be the best player who hasn't won on the PGA Tour. And you got to figure he's coming soon. He was 10th last year in his first visit. So good. I don't know if he can win. We're debating how much putting matters this week. I don't know if his putting is even good enough. The rest of his game has got to be really good for him to win. Matt Fitzpatrick, I mean, he's still looking for his first win. Maybe he's the best player without a win. And he certainly has circled it here. Top 10 the last three years, runner up to Molinari in 2019, and he's playing pretty well this year. I only had a couple of starts in the States. He seems so slight. I've never seen Matt Fitzpatrick in person, but he doesn't seem like someone who would do his best at a long track, but he does here. Leishman has had a great record here, a win, a runner-up. And Adam Scott, I don't know if he'll be wearing brown or what he'll be wearing this week, but... Too uh, hot here in Orlando for that sweater. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But he's putting pretty well. I think the winner is really going to come from almost 9,000. I do feel strongly that maybe one of the names we've mentioned is probably going to win. Well, I hope so, because my favorite outright is right in this range. I know you kind of gave me like, oh, he's a great ball striker, but... And I get it. I know Will Zalatoris is not a very good putter. In fact, it's downright ugly to watch him at times. But I do think, like I said, putting's neutralized a little bit at Bay Hill. Zalatoris is primed for his first career victory. Four of the last five winners on the PGA Tour have been first-timers. I think it's probably more coincidence than a trend. I don't think it's any great reason or rationale for why this is happening right now, but I do think the coincidence can continue. And Zalatoris is my favorite play on the board. In the betting markets, and I will have a lot of Zalatoris in my lineups this week. I just think he's that good. Tenth place at this event a year ago. He was an Arnold Palmer scholar. At Wake Forest, there's definitely a connection there. He's been second, sixth, and 26th in his three starts so far this year. I'll give him a little bit of a pass at Riviera where he was coming off having COVID and then trying to come back from it. But now this should be right up his alley. Does put a little bit better on Bermuda greens as well. So even though he was born on the West Coast, started playing golf in his junior days on the West Coast, I'll take him on Bermuda instead. So Zalatoris is the guy that I'm really targeting from this range. And I do think there's something to be said for Matt Fitzpatrick. In the betting markets, boy, he was the one guy. And I do most of my research and look at all the numbers, coming up with all the guys I like and don't like while I'm watching the final round of the previous week. So I'm watching the final round of the Honda. They're on the back nine. I'm watching, but I'm also doing all my work for Monday and beyond for this coming week. And of course, the odds and the pricing for DFS aren't out yet. And so you can usually kind of guess who you're going to like based on what the price will be. Fitzpatrick is the one guy where I woke up Monday morning, the odds came out. And I go, whoa, what's going on with that? Based on the fact that he's finished three times in the top 10 in his three starts at Bay Hill, he is 20 to one in most books this week. And I just think that's incredibly short for a guy who, like you said, hasn't won on the PGA Tour. He's fifth on the board on DraftKings in their sports book, but in DFS, he's ninth on the board. So if you're trying to find a place where, hey, I want to have a little Matt Fitzpatrick investment, I like him this week. I think he's going to play well, 
but ugh, 20 to one. I don't really want to take them outright four to one for a top five, two to one for a top 10. I don't really like any of those plays. How can I have that Fitzpatrick investment without having to drop down and take those short prices? I think DFS is the way to do it. So I think he's a nice play. Leishman, I like him. I think he might be a little bit overpriced based on that history as well. Same goes for Adam Scott. I'm not against either one of them. All right, let's get down to those 8,000s and I'll roll them through real quick here. Billy Horschel, Sam Burns, Max Homa, Taylor Gooch, Russell Henley, Jason Kokrak, Paul Casey, Sergio Garcia, Keith Mitchell, Cameron Tringali. All right, there's some definite plays in there somewhere, but we're trying to figure out which ones we like. Who are you looking at there, Len? Three guys I'm looking at from top to bottom. Max Homa at 8,700. Mm-hmm. Um, he's shown that he can play well. Seems to be his forte of these long, big boy tracks, if I can call them that. He was 10th here last year and 24th in his debut. Greens and regulation. He's only 108th. Not terrible, but far from elite. But I'm thinking those numbers should go up a little bit. The greens are so large. Got to be able to hit a few more this week. I do like him and seems to be in a good place. Jason Kokrak playing very well. Still on the PGA Tour as of this recording. (laughs) Uh, He just became a new player a couple of years ago. All of a sudden learned how to putt. I mean, I don't know if there's another guy like that, but he's had a number of top 10s and top Happy Gilmore, I believe, was like that as well. (laughs) Top 25s and top 10s here. Tita Green is so good, you know, his driver and his irons and stuff. And then down at 8,100, we mentioned this guy so often he should be sponsoring this podcast. (laughs) He did it again last week and even had a couple of stumbles on the way in, but he still had a top 10. 8,100 seems like just a great price for him right now. Yeah, so I'm going to jump on those last two names you said. That's who I have targeted in this range is Jason Kokrak. And Keith Mitchell, my buddy Robert Dameron, former PGA Tour champion, lives out at Bay Hill, plays out at Bay Hill a lot. He's essentially the mayor of Bay Hill now that Mr. Palmer is no longer with us. And he posted a picture a couple of days ago of the rough at Bay Hill, which looks thicker and juicier than Mm -hmm. I've ever seen it. And I've been going out to this tournament for a very long time. And so if that indeed is the case this week that we're going to have really thick rough Give me some of those big boys who can muscle it out of there. Jason Kokrak and Keith Mitchell are two dudes you don't want to see on the other side of the arm wrestling table. Those are two big guys <laughs> who aren't just golfers. They are athletic dudes. And so I like the fact that each one is playing well. I like the fact that you got some big, strong guys to muscle it out of the rough. Kokrak's got a really nice record here. You said it, Len. There's nothing else I can say about Keith Mitchell. If you've listened to anything I've done, watched anything I've done, read anything I've done over the past two months, you probably think I'm related to Keith Mitchell by this point. But he keeps playing really well, and I keep jumping on him every single week because he keeps doing that. This should be as good, if not better, of a golf course for him that we've seen him play so far this year. All he's done so far, four finishes of 12th or better in five starts. In fact, last week, Finished in ninth place, like you said, stumbled a little down the stretch, but it's a place where he had won PGA National three years earlier. I think Bay Hill suits his game much better than PGA National does. And look at all the success he's had there. If he could have success there, this one's even better. He's got a fifth and a sixth place finish. And again, I do think that course history means a lot this week. So those are two guys that have played well 
at the API. I missed Cameron Tringali there. Excuse me to the Tringali family. He is also in the 8,000s. I don't hate him this week. I don't love him this week. He's kind of in the middle there. Uh, let's get down to the 7,000s. There's a lot of big names here. And I think this is where this thing can get won or lost in your lineups this week. So Len, take it away for the 7,000s. There are a couple of guys I like in the sevens. And one of them is Cameron Young. And I don't want to sort of jump on the bandwagon of Cameron Young because I did not have him at Riviera. But re- really impressed me was that it wasn't a victory at Riviera, but it was his biggest moment on tour to date. He's 7,500. And he came back last week and he was 16th at the Honda. He didn't just sort of celebrate. He went right back to work. He's ranked 15th on tour in par threes, 200 to 225. I wanted to mention Bay Hill has very short par fives and you got to make a lot of birdies there. Sometimes the tournament could be won and lost on the par threes. They're all 200 or more. Excuse me. One is 199. I don't want some guy on Twitter to, uh, Point that out that uh, they're not all 200. Interestingly, last year, DeChambeau beat Lee Westwood by a shot. He was six better than him on the par threes. Mm. And a couple of years ago when Molinari, or three years ago now, when Molinari beat Fitzpatrick by two, he was four better on the par threes. He had an ace, if we remember. I hadn't remembered that, but I sort of saw a little one when I was doing my research. Yeah, there. yeah sure. So the par threes are really tough. They're maybe the toughest collection of par threes. If you're trying to decide between two guys, maybe look like who can do well there. And Cameron Young has shown an ability to play well on those long par threes. Moving down quickly, Chris Kirk, 7,500. We had him last week. I'm pretty sure we had him in a lineup. Yep. You know, he's just playing great tee to green. He had a bad, I think a double or a triple on the bear trap coming home yesterday or else he would have had a much better finish, 7,500. And all the way down at 71, Lanto Griffin playing pretty well, normally an early season guy, but still going well. And even Martin Laird, who won this tournament many years ago, really good tee to green numbers. He's at 7,000. Yeah, I like some of those plays. I'm going to echo your sentiments on a few of these. I'm going to go down the list. I'm going to start in the 7,000s with Christian Bezadenhut, who was my favorite play on the board last week. Boy, what a weird week for Bezadenhut. Over the first two days, he shot even par, and even par is fine at PGA National. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not great when Daniel Berger is 10 under, but he made three birdies, three bogeys, just kind of cruising along. Very much Bezadenhut-type golf over those first couple of days, which is just nothing too fancy, not too many mistakes. Then on Saturday, he shoots 75 without a single birdie. Then he comes back on Sunday and shoots 66 without a bogey. So very strange week for him, but he's a member at Bay Hill, plays and practices a lot on this golf course. He's been eighth and 17th in his previous two starts. And oh, by the way, he needs a big week to get some big things down the stretch where I'm not sure if he can still qualify for the players or not. I know his agent has texted me and he's uh, really trying to get into that one, but He's got WGCs and other things down the line where it's kind of make or break time for CBEZ. So he's trying to get into some of those. I echo what you're saying on Cameron Young, who keeps impressing me. He was tied for second at Riviera, looked like he was going to falter down the stretch and really didn't. He kind of stuck in there. That eagle in the final round was awesome. And then this past week had the best score of the day on Sunday. And I often look at Sunday final round performance the previous week for a guy that's going back to back. And Young is actually going like back to back to back to back to back to back to back or something like that right now. He's playing a lot of golf, but the fact that he played really well on Sunday, I think that carries over, especially similar type courses, similar type conditions. So I'm still back in Cameron Young. Keegan Bradley mentioned him early. Great record. 
at Bay Hill really likes this event. Nine straight made cuts here. He's got a couple of top five finishes. And then at the bottom of the 7,000s, just a couple of names to think about. Not guys I completely love, but guys that kind of fit the profile. Thomas Peters and Sebastian Munoz. I would throw them at least on a list of guys. Hey, you know what? I've got a space to fill. So I can see them playing well. All right. We mentioned it off the top. Look, if you're playing in GPPs, especially this week, the big tournaments, maybe you want to load up whether you like a combination of Rory and Hovland or Ram and Matsuyama or Im and Scheffler, whoever it might be at the top. You're saying, hey, I'm going to load up with two yeah. of my favorites at the top, maybe a couple of guys in the 8,000s. Well, at some point, you're going to have to find guys in the 6,000s. Where can we find the value in the 6,000s? I've got a bunch of guys in this area, and I think there's definitely some value here, Len. I'm with you, and I do like Munoz as well. But in the sixes, I'm not sure who I like better, more or less than Adam Svensson. So impressive, 6,700. Taylor Pendrith, one of the 43 Taylors on tour now at $6,500. Alex Smalley at 64. Lee Hodges, I spoke with Lee. He promises, promises to never use his putter in the bunker again. <laughs> and uh, he is $6,600. So I think if he doesn't do that, really my favorite play in all of the sixes is Danny Willett. Way down at $6,400. Yeah, I could see that. You know, he played his first tournament on tour this year, last week. Hell of a place to start the Honda. He made the cut. The best news is he didn't putt terrible. He's made four or five cuts at Bay Hill. He's never done worse than 31st when he has made it to the weekend. So, yeah, there's a lot here. And I'm pretty sure that most of my lineups will have two very high and therefore probably have to get two very low. I tend to agree with you, Len, that I've got a bunch of guys in the 6,000s that I like just based on value. And I'm going to rip through a whole bunch of these names. Carlos Ortiz at the top of the list at 6,900. There's been some big bets. You ever see on social media, one of the books will tweet out with the siren emoji, big bet alert, watch out. And they've tweeted out these big bets for Carlos Ortiz over the last handful of weeks. You're like, wait, what am I missing here? Why Carlos Ortiz? (laughs) We haven't had the reason for FOMO yet. He hasn't played great golf, a couple of top 40s, his last few starts. But I do think something's coming good for Ortiz, and this could be a good one for him. Dylan Fratelli, a guy that I liked last week and I like again this week. He's starting to heat up and play some good golf. Should be a good course for Cam Davis. Should be a good one for Taylor Pendrith, another big dude who you mentioned that should be able to mash it out of the rough. Matt Wallace plays well here every single year. He's kind of the profile of Danny Willett, just an Englishman who's not worried about tough conditions, goes out there and plays some solid golf. Minwoo Lee has been absolutely terrible in the United States, but he drives it really well, and he's got a ton of potential. Look, you got to suspend your disbelief on him a little bit because you can't look at the numbers and the stats and say, well, that makes me want to take him. But if you just look at the potential there, and he could be very, very low-owned, Brandon Grace won this week a year ago at the Puerto Rico Open. I still think he's a really good player. 6,300 is undervalued. Then my guy Brendan Steele at 6,100 has not been playing his best golf, but I'm going to go to dinner with Steely at some point in the next couple of nights. We're going to get him right, and he's going to be back on the right track very, very soon. So there's a lot of options there. We've talked through the entire field at this point, Len. So I guess it's time for us to get to our team. I know you've mentioned game theory a little bit, and you want to have a couple of guys at the top. I'll give you the first pick once again. And where do you want to go? Do you want to spend up, or do you want to spend down and try to get one of these guys you like in the 6,000s. Let's go right at the top right away. I think we're both on Rory. 11-1 mentioned earlier for $300 cheaper and probably for other reasons, Rory is more attractive than John Rahm. I do think we're both going to 
load up at the top. And so let's do Rory. I love that play. He is my favorite, just straight DFS play. If you, you know, you want to play a top player, which I think we're going to be able to have at least one, if not two top players in every lineup this week, Rory's the guy for me that I'll have in most of the lineups. You didn't seem like you loved him this week. Maybe I talked to you into him just a little bit, but Will Zalatoris is my favorite play on the board. So if I'm going to add in a second big gun there, he's a little bit cheaper. I mean, he's what, 900 cheaper than Hideki. He's 1,200 cheaper than Scheffler, 1,400 cheaper than Hovland. I still think there's a lot of value there, but Will Zalatoris at 9,400, I think is going to be a really smart play by the end of the week. I am definitely on Will Zalatoris, maybe not to win the tournament, but in DFS play as part of a lineup. Yeah, at $9,400, I could certainly see him doing every bit as well as Hovland, Scheffler, Matsuyama, Im, and significantly in some places, cheaper. So yeah, I think that's good. My next pick, we're going to have to go to the bottom. I just Mm -hmm. was telling you that my favorite play down there is Danny Willett. So I'm going to go with him at 6,400. I will tell people that I think we're going to see a 61 or a couple of 61s or 62s make it to the weekend. I mean, it's just math, the sheer numbers. Anyway, Danny Will at 6,400. All right. We've got 23-1 left to spend, 7,700 per man. I'm going to go with a guy that I mentioned earlier that I really like a lot this week is at 7,300, loves the golf course, loves the event, drives it really well. He's been playing some nice golf too. I mean, it's nothing special, but it's sort of like an on again, off again, 12th of the Sony, then 65th at Tory, 26th in Phoenix, then 48th at the Genesis. But Keegan Bradley tends to show up every single week and he tends yeah. to show up at this event every single year. I think he's a good player on the board this week. It's not quite the Honda, which is almost single digits every year and just missed this year. You're just not going to get as many birdies as there are a lot of weeks and getting a low price guy to the weekend is really just going to be invaluable to your lineup and trying to win the game. I'm going to leave you a big chunk here and throw in Martin Laird. Martin Laird has never come close to his win from 2011, but he has made the cut just about every year. He's only missed one cut in 11 starts here through the years. 20th in strokes gained tee to green. That's excellent. 20th on tour in strokes gained tee to green for a $7,000 player in in a tournament where tee to green will get you a long way toward Saturday and Sunday. Has not missed a cut in 2022, 14th at Phoenix. Let's do Martin Laird, 7,000. You left me too much money on the board, Len. I've got 8,800 to spend. Look, I love Sam Burns. Hasn't played great lately, but he can turn it on any given week. He's sitting there right at 8,800. Max Homa, you talked about earlier. Never dislike Homa. Same thing for Taylor Gooch. Same thing for Henley. Kokrak, I like a lot. Casey, Garcia. And then we get to my guy. I'm going to leave 700 on the table. This could be a good GPP lineup because I'm throwing my guy, Keith Mitchell, in here. Look, as I said earlier, if you've been listening to my stuff over the last few months, you know how much... I like Keith Mitchell, and I probably like him more this week than I've liked him just about anywhere else. I really liked him in Phoenix, too, where I picked him to win, but I'm very close this week. I've got him in my column as my favorite top five play this week, so I think it's going to be a really strong week. Once again, for Keith Mitchell, I'm just going to keep riding that heater. There's the lineup. Keegan Bradley, Martin Laird, Rory McIlroy, Keith Mitchell, Danny Willett, Will Zalatoris. I like that one, Lynn. I think that's got a lot of potential in there. It's good. And we did leave money on the table. Could have gone up to 8,800 with the final pick. So that would have been three golfers, 88 and above to just to illustrate 
how you really can get some top guys in your lineup and find some value toward the bottom this week. I like it. He's Len Hochberg. I'm Jason Sobel. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Links and Locks podcast. Remember, you can find our podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Download, subscribe, rate us, and of course, listen every single week. Good luck with all of your DFS plays for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. Here's hoping you guys hit the green.